0: Welcome back to the Field Goals Podcast. I am your host, Dan Viennes. And we're taking a look ahead to the Seahawks hosting the New York Giants at Lumen Field on Sunday. 125 kickoff. In a game that nobody at the beginning of the season would have expected would mean anything in the NFC. The Giants coming off a couple of down seasons. Switching head coaches yet again. Hiring Brian Dable. The offensive coordinator from the Buffalo Bills. Lots of questions around... Daniel Jones in his fourth year, whether he's justified his first round draft selection of four years ago and whether the team would be thinking about extending him or if this was kind of a do or die, make or break year for him. But here we are, the Giants, six and one in second place in the NFC East only because the Eagles are the only undefeated team in the NFL. Interestingly enough, a little scheduling quirk, the Eagles and Giants locked in a battle for the NFC East right now don't play each other until The final five games of the season, they play each other twice, including in week 17, to wrap it up. The Giants would be the number two seed in the conference right now. The Seahawks would be the fifth seed by record in the conference. Of course, they lead the NFC West all by themselves, so they would be in as a division champ. And we're not going to start talking about playoff scenarios and if the playoffs started today until the bye week. But just for reference sake. Um, And so... I don't know that this game has a lot of meaning at this point in how the conference seedings stack up. It's a little too soon for that. But there's a perception issue every single week, probably for the rest of the year. And this has kind of been the theme the last couple of weeks. Each and every week is a test. Each and every week. Let's see how legitimate this is. We all feel good about the Seahawks offense. We all feel like that's legitimate and sustainable at this point. But the defense still has to prove it to us. The improvements the last two weeks have been substantial. Substantial. Last two weeks, the defensive improvements have been such that their their total DVOA in the last couple of weeks is top 10 in the league. It's brought their total uh, overall defensive DVOA from 31st or 30th, I think, up to 19th. We'll talk about the numbers in a minute. But as far as conference perception, I think this game might be a little bit more of a curiosity. might might be a show-me game for the rest of the league and the rest of the country. Okay, these are two of the most surprising teams in the NFL this year. It's really one of the most interesting, intriguing, attractive games on the schedule this entire weekend. Two surprises playing each other. What's real? Who's legitimate? Keep using that word. but from a purely seeding standpoint in the conference, don't know how much weight it carries. But in the division, you know, this NFC West looks to be jammed up and it might be this way all year. It might be kind of a grind. This thing might go down to the last couple of weeks. And if the Seahawks want to stay in it, regardless of whether they're playing a conference opponent or division opponent, you know, you just got to win, right? So behind them, Big matchup in the NFC West this week with the 3 and 4 49ers playing at the 3 and 3 Rams. So a win by the Seahawks regardless of how it impacts conference standings would keep them a full game ahead of whoever wins that game in the win column with the Rams only playing 6 games so far. And then Arizona meanwhile travels to a good Minnesota Vikings team on the road and they they sit at 3 and 4, so a crucial game for the Cardinals as well. Let's get into this one. We're going to talk about a lot of numbers, kind of see how it stacks up. I want to talk about who the Giants are, because not we don't pay attention to them, right? And how are they winning? I think the casual football fans, sometimes you see a surprise like that. Oh, it's the Giants. They've been terrible since Eli took them to the Super Bowl. What's that been, 10 years now? Oh, it must be smoke and mirrors. I'm not really going to take that seriously. They play in them. We're going to look into that. Um, and then, kind of, how are they winning, and how do the two teams match up in key areas? First, I want to talk about the the big story this week, and that's the the absence of DK Metcalf. Uh, DK, with a patella tendon injury, suffered against the Chargers, was carted off the field. Um, Carroll characterized it early in the seeds early in the week as uh, they, that they got some really good news when they came back and did the imaging. Did the MRI after x-rays were negative in the locker room down in LA. Um, not a lot of details, not a lot of specifics. Carol has talked about it as if it might be week to week. The DK is really pushing to play this week and we'll see. We'll take it down to the wire. But yet he hasn't practiced the whole week. I've seen other reports from you know doctors who who do these things online and, and, and try to make these assessments with the very limited information that they have. Typically an injury like this that doesn't involve a tear, it's not something that's going to involve surgery. But certainly sounds like something that if, if if he plays on it could um could exacerbate that. Uh two to four week injury. So, like personally, I think this offense has shown enough versatility that. You know, I think you look at the schedule in the next couple of weeks, they can they can compete that better safe than sorry. DK Metcalf is going to be more valuable after the bye than he is before the bye, I think. And so let's take it easy with this one. I certainly don't think he's going to play Sunday. And so how is that going to impact how the Giants game plan for him? How they decide to, to defend this, this Seahawks offense, which has been so efficient and so consistent ever since week two in Santa Clara. Um, certainly it'll increase the amount of attention given to Tyler Lockett, who's coming off his own um, knee issue. He was limited in practice two weeks ago, wasn't sure he was going to play against the Chargers, looked fine, and he's been more involved in practice this week than he was last week. So hopefully Lockett is good to go. Certainly will open up opportunities for Marquise Goodwin, who had two touchdowns against the Chargers. He's fully healthy now, finally, and D. great. So this is a chance for him You know, there's been signs the last couple of weeks. He's getting more targets. He's getting more involved in the game plan. Had three big catches against the Cardinals at home two weeks ago. A couple of first down catches. He's getting open. He's going to have an opportunity. I'm not as concerned about the loss of DK Metcalf at this point. Primarily because of, A, how the Seahawks are running the football. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. But also how they're using those three tight ends. It's such a unique thing. And I'm going to knock on wood here because my goodness, um, I can't even, I don't even want to think about how this offense would have to adapt if one of those guys were to get dinged up, but Will Disley, Noah Fant, Colby Parkinson, they're all involved. And it's not just in, in catching the football and it's, it seems like each week it's a different guy. Disley was, was the guy against the Chargers. Fant was the, the one who had the most catches against the Cardinals the week before. But blocking, look at Brian Baldinger on Twitter and his breakdowns. And he he talks about and he shows how all three of those tight ends are getting involved blocking and how it impacted some of those Kenneth Walker runs last week. Um, And so I'm not as concerned about Metcalf's absence this year as I would have been last year. When the offense was so much more narrow focused and it wasn't as versatile as this. So we'll see, but I hope they're conservative with him. I really do. Okay, so who are the Giants? How the heck are they six and one? How are they winning under a rookie head coach and Brian Dayball? Well, number one, first and foremost, and you've heard about this this week, you're going to hear about it all the way up until game time. They're running the football. Saquon Barkley is having a resurgent season. I've already seen some projections that it's it's Barkley and Geno Smith neck and neck for Comeback Player of the Year some of that depends on your definition of what comeback means. You know, just will Gino qualify for that, that award? Because he's kind of made a career comeback. Whereas Barkley's coming back from a series of injuries over the last few years, uh, a, a severe knee injury two years ago. Didn't quite look himself. Last year was dinged up a little bit. Certainly looks like the guy that was drafted number two overall a few years ago. Now um, the team second, only to the Bears in the NFL as a whole with uh, 1,214 total rushing yards, 5.2 yards per carry, 173 yards per game, nine touchdowns on the ground. Barkley is number two in the NFL in rushing, only to uh, Nick Chubb. 726 yards, 104 yards per game, 5.1 yards per carry, a long of 68, and he has four rushing touchdowns. But the Giants are doing it two ways. Not with a two-headed monster at running back. Matt Breida is the backup there. I think he has like 68 yards rushing on the season. But with Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones is 28th in the NFL in rushing right now at 343 yards. That's more rushing yards than starting running backs. James Robinson, who was just traded from the Jags to the Jets. Najee Harris, David Montgomery. Of course, Montgomery's been dinged up but it's more rushing yards than Jalen Hurts who is known as a running quarterback. And it's more than Taysom Hill. We saw what he did against the Seahawks a few weeks ago. Ran for over 100 yards in that game alone. Daniel Jones is averaging 49 yards a game rushing. He's much more athletic than he looks. And I saw a quote this week from a from a defender and I can't I can't recall who it was. But they were talking about Jones and how fast he runs and they said somebody I think it was Clint Hurd, actually, the defensive coordinator. And he said somebody at the combine must have, that their clock must not have been working. Because he he looks faster than he was timed. Well, the Seahawks have certainly had experience and exposure to having to defend mobile quarterbacks. They've played Kyler Murray. Obviously, he ran for 100 yards in that game. And then the Taysom Hill experience down in New Orleans. That was before these adjustments were made on it. Well, the. The Kyler Murray um, situation was the first game where they made these adjustments on defense. And they did use Jordan Brooks as a spy at times in that game. It'll be interesting to see how much weight they give to that. I don't think Daniel Jones is spy worthy. You're just going to have to make sure you keep him in front of you and set the edge and, and just be aware of his ability to take off and run. Overall, the offense, though, even with those running numbers, not that impressive, 19th in the league in yards per game. 18th in the league in scoring at 21.4 points. And throwing the football, not good. 30th in the NFL in passing yards per game. Only 161 yards per game. Daniel Jones himself, 14th in the league in passer rating at 90.8 for reference. Geno is at number three right now at 107.7. Jones, 60% completions. 1,223 yards, six touchdowns, two interceptions. He's managing the game. He's being conservative. They're spreading the ball around. His yards per attempt tells that story. Six and a half. Gino almost eight. They're not taking deep shots down the field. Part of that reason might be that they really lack weapons. This has been an ongoing discussion with the Giants for years. for years. You know, they signed Kenny Galladay and he's been nothing but hurt. They drafted Kadarius Tony high. That didn't work out. He was placed firmly in the doghouse and then just traded this week to Kansas city. So he's not part of the picture anymore. Their leading receiver on offense is actually Saquon Barkley, 25 catches. Uh, Richie James is right there with them. Um, Richie James, Darius Slayton, Wandale Robinson. Those are their top three receiving targets. Richie James, kind of a journeyman. Darius Slayton's been there, has had his moments, but only 11 catches on the season for 166 yards. Robinson is interesting, and he's coming on. The rookie out of Kentucky, second-round pick, 10 catches, 92 yards. Um, diminutive receiving core. James, 5'9", Robinson, 5'8". Slayton towers over them all at 6'1". It'd be interesting to see how the Seahawks cover those guys. Are they going to play a little more zone maybe this week? And they get some contributions from their tight end. Daniel Bellinger actually actually has more touchdowns receiving than anyone with two on his 16 catches. So they don't have that guy that pops off the page that you have to game plan for. It's Barkley. It's Barkley. Now, what are they like on defense? Wink Martindale, the former Ravens coordinator, runs the show there. They're fifth in the NFL, only giving up 18.6 points a game. So they're running the football and they're playing defense. Sounds like an old Pete Carroll team, right? Uh, before he took the gloves off and became an offensive guy after trading his Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, 15th in passing yards allowed per game. 28th in rushing yards per game. At 144. Uh, the Seahawks are still 30th in the league against the rush at 149.7, but that number's coming up. last two weeks, um, less than 100 yards rushing against the Chargers and the Cardinals. So how are they doing it? How are they doing it? Well, they're playing close games. They're running the football. They're controlling the clock. And even though they're not playing great defense, They are taking the ball away. They're eighth in the league in turnover differential at plus three. The Seahawks are right behind them at plus two. So they're taking the ball away and they're playing aggressively. So they have their moments. They stop drives. They force turnovers because they blitz more than anyone in the league. Their blitz percentage is nearly 46%. On almost half of the snaps, the Giants are coming at you. So they've been opportunistic. They've played well in the right moments. They haven't had a wire-to-wire dominant win yet. They're playing close games, and they're winning them. Their average margin of victory in their six wins is four and a half points. Who have they beat? They've beaten the Titans. It was right out of the gate. Opening week, 21-20. to And they beat the Ravens last week in a close one. But they also have wins over the Panthers, Bears, a struggling Packers team, and the Jaguars. I'm not trying to say that their record is smoke and mirrors, that it's a mirage, that it's not legitimate, but just giving you some context. They've been playing close games against teams that don't have a winning record, and they've been winning them. By running the football, being conservative, throwing the football, bend but don't break defense. They're giving up yards, but they're not giving up points. They're being aggressive. And even though it hasn't translated to their, their sack numbers, they have some guys up front that are interesting. And they they drafted this year uh, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. He's been coming on the last couple of weeks. They're just doing the things they need to do to win football games. And so it'll be interesting to see how they match up against the Seahawks. What's the Seahawks' game plan going to be against them? Well, obviously, when you look at that number of the Giants' inability to stop the run and try to run the football with Kenneth Walker III, who in the last two weeks has broken out in a very similar manner to how Jonathan Taylor broke out in the second half of last season, like announced himself to the NFL. Like, there's a reason the Seahawks drafted this guy in the second round, despite all the analysts who say that's a terrible use of draft resources. This kid is special. And the scheme and the way the Seahawks are running their offense right now, the balance and the play calling gives him those opportunities. As long as Kenneth Walker is healthy, the Seahawks' offense has a chance to be really dynamic. So they're going to try to run this football. The Giants are going to do the same thing. That's their bread and butter. First of all, they're going to do it no matter what. Even if the Seahawks' run defense had been more stout the first seven games. So we might have a little bit of a slog, a little bit of a slugfest on Sunday. And the Giants are going to try to limit Daniel Jones, too. Seahawks, obviously, are going to try to slow down that run, use some of the adjustments they've made the last couple of weeks to do that. They're filling gaps better up front. They're setting the edge better. Keep Saquon contained, force Jones to throw. He's been sacked 20 times, fifth most in the league, so he will hold on to the football. And he's been known to turn it over. He's been better this year, six touchdowns, two interceptions, but 2020 and 2021 combined, 21 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. He will throw the ball away. He does have accuracy issues. Weather's going to play a role in this game as well. Uh, First time all year. Forecast is for 70% uh, 70 chance of rain. Winds 10 to 20 miles an hour. You never know how those are going to get into the stadium though and impact the game. It sounds like it's going to rain harder in the morning and then maybe transition to a steady light rain throughout the day. Up to a quarter inch possible. That's a pretty significant amount. So it's going to be wet. The wind will be the wild card. We'll see how much that impacts the passing game. But you know from what we have seen so far with this Seahawks offense that unless it's a torrential downpour, which it doesn't sound like it's going to be. Seahawks are going to be who they are. Will Disley talked about that this week. We know who we are. They're not going to change that. They're not going to suddenly go into a shell and become uber conservative just because it's a little rainy and DK Metcalf isn't in there. I think they're going to try to be balanced. They're going to take opportunities, try to run the football, obviously. But Geno's going to push the ball down the field. He's going to spread the ball around. He's going to keep those Giants honest. The key for him, and what have we heard the most from Pete Carroll, Shane Waldron, when they're talking about Geno Smith this season and the key to his success. It's his command of the offense. It's his ability to recognize what's happening at the line of scrimmage, check out of plays. And it's gonna be it's gonna be imperative that he do that on Sunday with a team that blitzes more than any team in the league. He's going to have to recognize that. He's going to have to get the ball out quick. We've seen him do that for the most part, but there are times where he holds on to it. Get the ball out quick. Use those tight ends. Get the ball to his hot routes. Recognize those opportunities, too, to push the ball down the field. Throw over the top of where the blitzers are coming from. It's going to be a fascinating game. I, I feel like we say this every week, but every week's a test. I mean, this is a different perception of this team than we've had in years. This The expectations are different. Have you gotten caught up in it yet? Have you gotten caught up in, oh man, they can make the playoffs. Do you feel this as a fan sometimes? Once that expectation changes, now all of a sudden the game's become a little more pressure packed, right? You tighten up a little bit. Oh man, we got to win this game. I'm not there yet. I'm just enjoying the ride. I, this is so much fun. This team is fun to watch. They're playing an entertaining style of football, especially now that they're not just allowing the uh, the other team to run up and down the field on them. And just the whole situation is fun, isn't it? To be the underdog, to be that surprise team, to be the team nobody expected anything out of, and you get to exceed those expectations. That's fun to me. And the Giants are doing the same thing. I'm fascinated to see how this game is going to turn out. And once again, how the Seahawks respond. How you respond to being good says just as much about you as how you respond to to struggling. They've responded to the struggling. That defense has turned things around remarkably in the last couple of weeks. Now, how are they going to respond to things going well? Can you build on it? Because let's look at the schedule. Giants this week, At Cardinals, they're having their issues, and the Seahawks just dominated them at home two weeks ago. And then you go to Germany to play the Buccaneers, who are suddenly struggling mightily. First three-game losing streak of Tom Brady's career. Does that team look intimidating anymore? There's questions about their coaching and their play calling, how much they miss Bruce Arians. Where are the Seahawks going to look going into the bye week? Six and four. At this point, I think five and five would be a disappointment. Could they go into the bye week at seven and three? <laughs> uh, it's crazy, crazy to even say that out loud, isn't it? But that's where we're at. And they've put themselves in that position with how they've played the last couple of weeks. Seahawks-Giants Sunday. I'll be going to the game, so my reaction show will be... Uh, later on Sunday, but I'll come home and give my uh, my immediate thoughts. What I like to do when I go to the games is uh, come home and watch either the, if I have enough time, the con, the full condensed replay or at least the key plays and the highlights and kind of relive some of that stuff and watch the TV angle. Um, and then I take notes at the game as much as I can and, and just build off of those. So we will do that. Also check out Dana's episode that just posted uh, earlier this week on the Seahawks rookie class and how terrific they are like, subscribe, then you get notice of new episodes and if you like the show, you like what we're doing, please leave a review really helps things out until next time, go Hawks enjoy that game on Sunday and I'll be back to talk Seahawks football with you very soon